The presented content does not provide or constitute medical, financial, or legal advice. The content is for information purposes only. Viewing or listening to the content does not constitute a physician-patient, dentist-patient, fiduciary-client, or attorney-client relationship. Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. My name is Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about the power of prioritizing yourself as a caregiver is Keisha Wilson. Keisha is the founder and CEO of Design Her Queendom, a personal development company deeply committed to helping powerhouse women leaders reprioritize themselves while managing the demands of career and the responsibilities of home. Design Her Queendom was born out of Keisha's personal burnout recovery experience as a wife, mother, and former special agent with the FBI. She now leverages her expertise and natural gifts in the aging community with a special emphasis on the wellness and personal fulfillment of caregivers in the sandwich generation. She is a speaker, coach, and is launching her first book in the summer of 2022. How are you doing today, Keisha? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for having me, Dan. I'm looking forward to our conversation together. But before we get started, Keisha, for those that are joining us for the live webinar, if you look in the right-hand side, you should see a toolbar. That's an opportunity for you to type in any questions, time permitting. We will do everything in our power to get your questions answered. So, Keisha, I'm going to turn it over to you. Awesome. Awesome. Again, thank you so much. So as family caregivers, we are like hyper focused on providing premium care for our loved ones. Right. And it is considered a noble and selfless act. However, through the process of championing for family members, we compromise prioritization and advocacy for ourselves. So let's talk about the power of prioritizing yourself, the caregiver edition. Who am I and why do you care? I am a physical caregiver to my mom for the last 15 months and uh, with a self-appointed promotion to CEO of her care. And prior to, to that, I was her long distance care supporter for over 14 years. I've been a long distance care support partner for my father and my father-in-law, and I'm a work-life strategist for resilient women leaders, many who have experienced burnout and have caregiving roles. And so what I didn't say is that I come from a long legacy of family caregivers. With that comes a historical expectation of what I was before, um, before children, and it comes with familiar expectations as in you know what the family is accustomed to doing there comes cultural expectations right and societal expectations of what that should be like what that should look like what that should be like what i didn't mention this why i do i mention this so first of all your first act of self care is redefining your role what kind of caregiver that do you want to be? What level of care do you want to provide? What is your natural caregiving style? What is your current capacity? And what does that look and feel like for you? That is your first act of self-care. And listen, um, like I said, I promoted myself to CEO of care because my natural gifts and abilities are more in line with managing and looking at the overall strategy of my mom's 
wellness. And so the day-to-day, I've learned that um, it is best suited for um, additional support in that area. I'm able to help her navigate different things whenever the medical community tells me um, different things that she has, um, different medications and things like that. I'm able to look at those and see how we can navigate her um, her conditions, her illnesses, and her ailments in that way. And so I promoted myself to chief executive officer of her care rather than all of the day-to-day uh, performances. And if you haven't had the opportunity to do it yourself, don't beat yourself up. You can start now. Evaluate whether what you are currently doing is working for you. Based on your redefined role, does what you do right now align with how you want to move in life and the level of care that you want to provide? And if the answer is no, you need to think about what changes you need to make, right? And if the answer is yes, you can always enhance uh, and have a greater level of care for both yourself and your loved ones. And doing this type of assessment, looking at um, whether what you're doing now really aligns with how you want to move as you go along your caregiving journey will cut down on resentment, overwhelm, and also self-judgment. And you have to evaluate that process often. Building your self-care muscle. Self-care has um, you know, become this buzzword, but it is more about how well you nurture yourself. There are typically four tenets to that physical, how well you nurture yourself mentally, how well you nurture yourself emotionally and um, spiritually. So think about the physical and psychological health. How well are you nurturing yourself in that way? How are you managing? How are you assessing? How are you responding and reducing stress? And how are you honoring your emotional and spiritual needs as well as fostering and sustaining healthy relationships in your life? Do you have harmony across the board in your life, in your family, in your work, career, calling, whatever you uh, think about that? And when we talk about self-care, we're thinking about the things that bring you joy. Are they infused in your daily life, right? The things that require, that help you to rest. There are many different types of rest. There's creative rest. There is, you know, sleep rest. There is, um, you know, electronic, you know, electronic rest, things like that, or technological rest. If there are many different types of rest. And so you have to look at which one you need and then implement those things on a regular um, basis. How often do you play? Most times we forget that, especially as adults. Kids, can definitely do that um, very easily, right? And so as adults, we take things so seriously because this is, you know, our loved one. Um, We want to provide the best level of care that we can, but we have to take time to also play because it rejuvenates us. It helps cut down on stress. It helps in so many different areas. And also a part of self-care is evaluating how much of um, do you have in your life of your dislikes, the things that you're not very good at? Is that um, totally infused in your day? Is most of the things that you're doing, is it something that you don't even like to do? 
because that can help um, create stress in your life. And it also promotes this um, idea that you always have to overcome. And so that in itself can wear you out. And think about grief. Um, a lot of times we're thinking about um, the end result or when someone transitions, but there is a level of grief that comes throughout the process. Um, grief for your loved one, as well as grief for you, that maybe uh, in the case of dementia or Alzheimer's or something like that, that your loved one may not recognize you, or they may not be able to do the same things that they used to do. And also that your life has shifted in order to accommodate um, the support of your loved one. So you have to think about those things and um, plan and nurture yourself in that way. And when it comes to the sandwich generation, we have like this, um, this, this very peculiar or unique situation where we're caring for a parent, but also caring for children at the same time. I happen to be in that generation. And um, one of those things is fostering and sustaining the healthy relationships on both ends. How am I doing that? Um, do I have support in doing that? Because I can't do it all. I can't be um, everything to everyone and I can't provide the needs that everyone needs as well as what I lead, the people that I lead in my professional life. And so I have to look at all of the things that needs nurturing and watering throughout my life and then be able to definitely incorporate that and have those intervals. What I um, like to tell individuals is to think about what thing that I can do each day, because, you know, care is uh, over time. You have to think about what is going to be the impact over time. And so think about the daily things that you can do. How can I infuse some, a little more joy in my day every day? Just one thing, one small thing, that may be um, going out in nature, for some people that may be, um, you know, gardening, that may be coloring, that may be um, doing art or even playing with children. Um, think about that one thing you can do per day. And then also begin to plan out what can I do weekly? What's the one thing I can do to pour into myself weekly? It doesn't have to be something super big. I'm a huge nature fan, so I, go out and watch the sunrise on Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings. And that's a way that I get to rejuvenate myself and just have a greater appreciation for, for just slowing down and doing things that uh, fill me up, empower me up. And think about also the things we do monthly. What's something you can do once a month that can help nurture you? What's something that you can do quarterly that helps pour into you? And then what, think about twice a year. What can I do? What, what simple things that I can do to find that respite, to find that rest, um, refine, to look at the things that will help fill you up as you go throughout the year? And when you plan those things and put those things in your calendar in advance, then that is building your self-care muscle. Once a year, I like to go alone by myself. I'm a true introvert. I like to recharge in solitude. And so once a year, I will plan that I go 
um, somewhere alone and just recharge. I call it um, a silent retreat where I don't have to perform, I don't have to produce, I don't have to do any of those things. It's just um, being curious about the things that I like, maybe going to and trying some something new or different, any of those things. It is so important to identify and build your A-team. And one of the ways that you can do that is become keenly aware of how you feel. Just like people track um, their food intake and what they exercise, you know, how much they exercise, it's a good idea to track how you feel on a regular basis. What are your stress levels? What, what you know, how do I feel and why? And then when you notice patterns of, you know what, consistently, physically, I've been feeling this way, then you surround yourself with a team, you identify a team member that can support you in regards to your physical health. And that's how you build team, um, a team that can help you manage stress. If you are struggling with, um, you know, mental health or anxiety, or um, just, um, you know, a mindset um, blockage, then maybe therapy or coaching or whatever the case may be. You can reach out to a counselor or support, support group. Think about your emotional and spiritual needs. What feeds that and identify a team member that you can bring on to that, right? And your level of care for yourself has to meet or exceed that of your caregiving. We always um, talk about, you know, you can't pour for, from an empty cup, put on your oxygen mask first. You've heard all of those cliches, but you cannot pour out consistently and give out and never refill back into yourself. And so once you're constantly pouring out, you have to meet or exceed. And I always say ex exceed. You want to definitely have multiple deposits in your bank because um, with the caregiver journeys, things can change so rapidly. And so you need to have some reserve in your, in your tank, in your love tank, in your self-care tank, so you can be able to handle those situations. Your caregiving style. Now, I heard one of your other presenters talk about caregiving styles, and it was um, an amazing um, presentation. And I thought about what are the strengths and what are the gaps and what are some of the frictions with loved ones when it comes to, um, you know, the particular caregiving style that you may have, how you can potentially mitigate that and, you know, the things that can potentially cause burnout when it comes to your caregiving style. So let's look at authority. Authority, the strength is you can get things done, right? Um, but some of the gaps is that you may tend to control, um, you know, situations and the, your loved one may feel told what to do or bossed around. And one of the things that you can do is start to include input from other people. So hands off it approach. Yes, it's easy going. That's a strength. But um, one of the gaps in that is having this uh, to put core decisions off. People um, that may have that lazy, laissez-faire um, type of um, personality may put core decisions off, which can create undue stress 
and urgency in situations. And so what you may want to do is hire an implementer or you may um, look to an implementer in your life that can help you um, balance that out. Inclusive. Um, the thing about them is that they value the opinion of others. They have people feel included. But during a crisis, you can't always poll multiple different people in order to address what's going on, right? And so what that can create is hurt feelings that um, some a situation wasn't run by someone, that you didn't consider them in the long term. And so um, what I suggest in that case is to prep conversations up front that like, yes, I would like to include your um, opinions, your feedback, but then there are some occasions that that may not happen, that I have to make that rapid decision and I need you to trust me type of conversation. By the book, very resourceful, um, can evaluate and ID um, resources very easily, but life doesn't always operate in a vacuum, right? And you have to hold, they can hold up critical medical decisions until um, they approve of the situation. And sometimes you just have to rely on the professionals. If you are service oriented leadership style or caregiving style, then you provide a high level of care, but you can lose, lose sight of your own identity or become codependent. And so that can create resentment. Um, and um, so people like that need to, to schedule some type of respite uh, on a regular basis so they don't um, burn out. Flex, um, easily adaptable, but can be very reactive, right? Um, and then your loved one may feel like um, the mood or they can't predict what's going on, that you're unpredictable. And so in that case, you may need to create um, major support systems that can accommodate your ability to flex. I know, I know. <laughs> that sounds great, but real world, what does this looks like? I think you need to front load your care as much as you can, right? Um, because practice, you will perform how you practice. And it's very similar to uh, any other thing in life. Um, and so you need to practice and have a lot of reps in on um, making sure that you're doing, that's why I talk about the daily, the weekly things that you're doing. It's putting deposits into your bank. So when an event comes that can shift and, and um, easily um, transform your life, then um, this is something that you can, you can rely on your reserves. Having a contingency plan, you have to know your formula of burnout. I believe every person has their formula of what may be, they become overloaded, overwhelmed, and you need to know that and be intimately aware of what those circumstances are for you. And then when you um, sense that they are coming, that those things are happening, though that unique, unique formula has happened, you need to activate your team, your care partners, your A team, activate it and evaluate it all, often. And when it comes to rapid changes, um, I like to say, especially having had that background as a, a special agent, is all, whenever there is a crisis in law enforcement, they were, they, take all resources and are directed towards the crisis. 
But then over time, they began to dial back and put structures in place to support the crisis going on. But then um, so they can begin refocusing their energy on their day to day. And so it's the same thing with us. Um, the crisis is going to happen. Um, upsets, changes, rapid shifts, they're going to happen. What you do is you direct your attention to the immediate crisis and then you activate your team that you've already built and you begin to scale back. And that's how you can um, you know, pivot and deal with rapid situations with it without being overwhelmed yourself in this situation. Dealing with the deep end, um, I know that there are so many of us who have gotten into a caregiving situation unexpected. I was one of those. And so I believe that there are four tenets that you can um, you know, put in place to help that throughout the process. For me, they were almost in three month increments. Um, this may take some time, right? Um, so I realized when, my mom had to um, come to me from out of state under exigent circumstances. I had to go through a stabilization period for she, for her, for and for myself. And so I began to look at what was going on to try to acclimate her into our environment. And then I went through a recovery and diagnostic phase of where I began to identify doctors and look at what could be potentially wrong uh, or what were we looking at to identify what was going on. And then once we had some type of identification, then we began to treat. We began to um, look at um, services and support and um, healthcare providers that can help her heal. And then I began to assemble a team and additional support around us so we can begin to operate um, outside of that um, crisis mode. And to me, this is the power of prioritizing yourself. How well you take care of yourself directly impacts how well you're going to um, take care of your loved one. Your self-care and prioritizing your own self-care has to be non-negotiable. It has to be non-negotiable because if you go down sick, then you're not able to care for your loved one in the way that you um, vowed and hoped and also um, that you were committed to doing. And I always say evaluate often. You know, sometimes every time a situation happens where whether there is a, a rapid shift, then go back and reevaluate. I like to call it um, the process. Like if you have a storm, if there is a hurricane or tornado or something like that, and that and you uh, have that storm happen, if you're a homeowner, more than likely you're going to go outside of your home and you're going to walk around and see what the damage is. And so this process is very similar to that. You want to go in your life and say, hey. What, what, what shifted? What additional support am I going to need during that process? And then always give grace. This is not a perfect situation. Give yourself grace, give your loved one grace, and um, that will help you throughout that process. A CEO is usually a full-time job. How do you find the appropriate amount of time needed to be the CEO of care? Yes, uh, it goes back to the team. 
and identifying the strengths of other people, right? And if your caregiving style is, and, and um, you know, over, um, and also as a CEO, right? Um, that's a leadership style as well. And so if it's about control, it's about any of those different um, scenarios, you need to be able to empower other people to step up into situations, whether that is paid, whether that is volunteer or family. And so you can identify the strengths. I don't do this alone. There are multiple people in, in um, my family, meaning in my home right now. I even, um, you know, have my children pitch in, whether that's simple things like uh, helping get my mom, uh, you know, things to her room, uh, whether that is walking into the room to announce what's going on during the day. And so it, it's this give and take relationship. And um, some, some instances, if I have to go out of town, um, my husband may take off and uh, take my mom to places that she likes to go, whether that's driving by homes and things that she can get out and it not just be 100% on me. And then we have professionals that are, um, whether that is physical therapists that come into the home that help support her um, during those times. So I have to be able to um, direct and um, allow, ask, and accept help at all times. And um, just like you don't, as a company, the CEO doesn't do everything in, inside of the company, you have to look at it that way as well. You cannot do every single task and role or take on every single responsibility. So you have to identify what are your strengths and play to those very well and also empower other people um, in the lives of your loves, loved ones, paid or unpaid, um, to support that as well. Does this care team, how does it evolve or does it evolve over time? Yes, it does evolve just like your your needs. Like I told you, you want to definitely assess at all times. You're you're constantly looking at what uh, how you feel, um, what what the gaps are. If you're tracking that on a daily and a weekly basis, then you're going to understand. You know, in seasons, you're going to need more of physical support in certain seasons. In other seasons, you may need more mental and emotional support. My, um, I have a brother, he is very good at that. I call, call him, most of the um, thing, he is out of state, um, so he is not here and cannot provide physical care for um, my mother. However, if there is ever a time where um, he knows that I have the physical things, that I'm taking care of those things, I'm making sure the doctor, but he is always a phone call away if I need to say, hey, this is a lot, you know, and I just want you, it's not that you have to do anything, but can you just listen? And he picks up the phone to do that. And that for itself is 100% of a relief and a, a true support to me. Absolutely. Somebody asked, how different would your caregiving experience have been if you were not in the FBI? Um, I think that it would have been um, 
you know, I, I don't think it would have been any different. Um, you know, of course, there are different, you know, um, skills that I've learned and, and accumulated through training. But I think when it comes to a personal matter, there is and matters of the heart, there is a totally different experience. I um, family is one of my top values. And so um, I aim to provide the absolute best care for my mom. And I know that I cannot do that alone. And also through my own burnout experience, I know what <laughs> that formula looks like for me. So I don't wanna put myself in a situation and also put my mom in a situation where I take on too much, I bite off more than I can chew. And then there is um, a gap in care or there is some type of injury or um, thing that I didn't want to happen. Yeah. Um, that we could avoid it. And so I believe that um, I would have been like this, you know, no matter what. Um, yes, there are skills that I've learned, um, but that has nothing to do with, I brought those skills actually to the government. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you had mentioned, Keisha, the, you were a long-term caregiver. And when your, your mom came to live with you, what advice would you give somebody who is starting the role of a long distance caregiver? Um, rely on, you got to identify a team on the ground. That's what I call mm -hmm. um, someone who is in their location that you can call um, and that will pick up the phone and call you to be your eyes and ears. Um, and whether that again is someone paid or someone unpaid, um, or a family member um, that can tell you and alert you to anything that may be going on. Also, um, you know, look at what are the frequent visits that you can make? Can you make fre frequent visits? If you cannot, um, can you um, leverage technology? Can you leverage um, different people in the community? And so the the thing about it is that it's not so much of the skills that I've had from the FBI, but it's about asking questions, engaging with people um, that that want to help, that are committed to helping. And, um, you know, my mom has had a lot of support where she was, but she could no longer um, stay in the circumstances that she was in. And so there I can always be in an everyday situation. I talked to her, but I relied on uh, family and friends and um, different people that I could call on to swing by. I, whenever my friends were in town, they would swing by my parents' house and just check on my parents for me and, and report back. So um, those are things that I would do. Those are simple things, no cost, that you can just begin having conversations with people and open up that dialogue. Wonderful. Wonderful stuff. Thank you so much, Keisha. How can people find you? Yes. So the name is Keisha Wilson, K-E-S-C-H-A, Wilson, W-I-L-S-O-N. And you can find me at my website, which is designherqueendom.com, D-E-S-I-G-N-H-E-R-Q-U-E-E-N-D-O-M.com. And so email as well, info 
at designherqueendom.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook at the same, Design Her Queendom, D-E-S-I-G-N-H-E-R-Q-U-E-E-N-D-O-M. Well, in your book, what is your book titled and when? any updates on when that's coming out? Absolutely. My book is, is titled The Power of Ease. And so um, that book is scheduled to come out in July, in just a few weeks. Um, we are already in pre-order status. So if you want to go over to designherqueendom.com, again, design, D-E-S-I-G-N, her, H-E-R, queendom, Q-U-E-E-N-D-O-M.com, you can pre-order right now. Excellent. Well, thank you again, Keisha. As far as Knowledgeable Aging, you can go to knowledgeableaging.com. You can see all of our upcoming and archived webinars. You can go to YouTube, type in Knowledgeable Aging. We encourage you to subscribe. We update that several times per month. If podcasts are your thing, you can find us on Apple Tunes, Spotify, etc. Till next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar, and this is Knowledgeable Aging.